This is episode 13 of Audition Notes. This is Audition Notes with Nick and Mark. I'm Mark. And I'm Nick. And this is Audition Notes. What is the question today, Hayley? Come on, tell us, Hayley. What are the first steps in preparing an audition monologue? So, we are looking at probably a question that people find really important which is those initial steps in preparing an audition monologue. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of nonsense out there uh, being explained and taught that just 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 creates a whole lot of bump in your head, um, which has you just wasting a lot of time. And we want to give you some, just about 10 minutes of, um, of advice from the perspective of two people who spend a considerable amount of every day, yes. teaching people how to do monologues. Do. Um, I want to start. I'm going to start off, and then I'm going to let Nick do his thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll start off with this: that a monologue is a story. Actually, it's seen as a story, but a monologue is a story. I don't just mean in a once upon a time way, but there is a story to it. There's something with a beginning, a middle, and end that people, you know, uh, someone has written that people want to hear. Uh, and I'm sure Nick will go into that a little bit more. And I think you are a storyteller. And the only thing I really mean about that is that you have a responsibility to make it interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, you can be as believable as you like, but if you're not interesting, they'll just switch off and, you know, mentally check out. So some of the stuff we're going to be asking you to think about today is the way to start preparing that. One of the things that I do is I ask this my students or my clients to read um, the monologue a few times and obviously if you're going to do it you can do it many times and just make a few notes a few impressions a few ideas just write down a few thoughts that come out of that don't do a lot of work I'm not asking you to academically study I just want you to write down the the images that come into your head the ideas as you know after each read through um, the next thing I would ask you to do is to tell the story of your monologue in just three simple sentences. And what I, I hope that that does is it just gives you a really clear idea of how you think that story is, is laid out. And you can compare what you wrote to the actual monologue and think about like, um, the next thing that I would do is ask you to sort of slightly edit what you've written and make it personal. So you've probably written like, oh, Janice is, is talking to her, her sister about what it's like to live with a terminal illness and is blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's great. And I would ask you to personalise it by talking about I instead. So like... I'm talking to my sister about what it's like to live with it. Right? I, I, I don't believe that you are Janice. I don't believe that you will magically transform into the character by, by saying that. No, but it changes the, way, it changes the way you think about it. It does change the way you think about it. It makes it much more personal. And you start to own the ideas and <clears throat> thoughts behind the piece. Now, I'm going to leave Nick Field the rest of the time I might interject a little bit please do you have to I probably will because because I could talk about this for hours okay so you're going to have to chivy me along when you you want me to kind of jump to the next I've got my chivying stick ready so you touched on something really interesting earlier why are so many monologue performances um, 
not up to scratch, I think is the polite way of putting it. Or another way of looking at it is why do people fail so many auditions for jobs or for getting into drama school? It's because they're boring, right? I'm sorry to say it. Boring, flatline boring. Okay, so let's look at the reality of it. If you're doing a, a monologue on stage in a production, you've got lighting to make you look good, you've got costume to make you look good, you've got another actor. You've got the, context. You've got it's context. context. The audience has seen everything that's happened to you in that character before that moment where this big monologue comes, and that all helps create the right atmosphere for you to deliver it. Um, and you can get away, to a certain extent, you can get away with doing it in a very boring way because everything else is going to help. And to contextualise that, the same applies for TV and film. So a lot of monologues that you see, that you might watch and you don't even think about it, this is happening, that you'll get this very intense sort of, oh, I'm doing a monologue now, so I've got to, I've got to just sort of hit one, one note, one feeling and emotion and nothing changes so what happens in the edit suite where most films are made really and most tv series where the director goes oh my god that's really dull we better put some string music in the background <laughs> right um because we've got to let the audience know actually this is quite dramatic and exciting because clearly we're not getting it from the actor and we better make sure that the camera shifts to a pupil dilating or a quivering bit of the windowsill that shows some sort of metaphorical sense of them losing their way in life so yes um that is all kinds of help so when you're in a room to cut a long story short when you're in a room with no none of that to help you you have to engage the listener you have to be dynamic okay um what does that mean it doesn't mean you randomly jump about and just make stuff up and you know suddenly raise your voice and suddenly speed up no there has to be a logic to it and there is a logic to it there is a really very, very clear logic to the journey of a monologue, and that's what it boils down to. You have to take the listener on a journey, and that journey shifts and changes as you explore the, the issue that, that, that you're trying to resolve. Really common with Shakespeare, a lot of the monologues are about, hey, audience, uh, I'm having a problem, and I'm trying to work it out. Right? I think that's a really useful way to look at any monologue or any scene what is the problem that this character has? Because that's pretty much what it's going to be about. Exactly. So all good story structures, films, books, plays, novels, have a pattern which we've spoke about before and we'll, you know, we can speak about again in more detail, but essentially they have elements that make them interesting. They have a hook, something that grabs your attention and makes you want to listen at the start. So you need to know where, where, what's the interesting bit of the opening couple of lines. Because it's normally in the first couple of lines. It might be in the first line of the monologue. Something about that is the really interesting bit. So you know that you've got to hit that with a bit of oomph, right? Because you've got to get the listener to prick their ears up. Oh, okay, so that happened, did it? Okay, tell me more. Then you go on to explore that. And as you explore that, usually what happens somewhere in the middle of any good monologue, there's a shift of direction, okay? And you start to go in a different route. And that's called the turning point. Then you rise up to what is the peak of the whole dramatic 
tension of that story and that's obviously the climax right but we don't think about it enough it should be there in every story in every monologue there should be a peak of intensity it's all about intensity so um the good uh, the easiest way to know where the climax is in a monologue if you only had one line one sentence that you could possibly say to the other character what would it be and I can almost guarantee you it's probably 95%, 90 to 95% of the way in. And it's the one killer line that encapsulates the whole thing. That there is your climax. And you need to build up to that so that you give it the weight and importance that it deserves. And then the final element is called the resolution, which is, as it sounds, the bit where what you've been exploring gets resolved, or at least for the moment. So that's the journey, right? So we need to identify those points in the monologue. Once we've done that, that gives us an idea of, of the flow, right? I think of it as riding a bicycle. As we're going along this journey, there's ups and downs. And as we go uphill to the turning point, we've got to pedal harder. We've got to use more energy, more force. But then when we get past the turning point, we have to relax a bit and we let go and we just freewheel and calm down. And then we suddenly start to explore the thing that's really bugging us and then we really get to the peak of the argument and that's the climax, right? That's the way you push the hardest, harder than you've ever done before. Even if that's all you did for a monologue, it would be 10 times better than most. Absolutely. So just to join together what we were saying about the problem of the climax... So the problem gets its make or break moment at the climax. Mm -hmm. You've established what you believe the climax, the problem is, then the climax is the make or break moment. It's often not where it's resolved, that's called the resolution, but it is where we find out that, that will they, won't they, will he, won't he, will she, won't she moment uh, is established. Um, and it's, it's the hottest, the most intense, not always the biggest, but the most essential uh, lines or line, it could be, it could be a chunk. Uh, there's a pinnacle to a climax too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, so it's it, not right. just on its own. You build up to it, and then there's a peak to it, right? Like a like a sand meter or, or, or anything like that. I think, but there is a trap though inherent in that. Let me yeah. tell you what the trap is, and this is the trap that nearly everybody falls into. They can identify that intense moment. And they characterise it, but wrong, I'll choose a better word. They, they identify that moment with a particular emotion. Let's call it, like, frustration, right? For one of a, a picking one. So the, the actor goes, okay, I get that at that moment they're really, really frustrated. But this is where they go wrong. They start their monologue frustrated. Right, yeah, absolutely. So, so they pick an emotion. I see this all the time. I recently went to a, to um, a showcase of a, a, a big drama school with that three years of training, and everybody started their their monologues with one emotion that didn't change because it was the emotion that, that you associate with the climax. But they started with it. Well, that doesn't really happen, or if it does happen, it's not interesting. Because if I start off a bit frustrated and then just end up even more frustrated and I finish being slightly frustrated, you can't, you've got, your brain has already gone it after 20 or 30 seconds. Yeah, and they're just going to switch off. So listen, uh, we're going to draw this podcast episode to a close. This is episode 13. Uh, and I'm going to just briefly sum up what we'd like you to do if you're preparing a monologue. Okay, so the first thing you want to do is work out. So you're going to... 
do what I ask, going to read it through, make some notes, going to break it down into three sentences, going to turn that into I rather than they or the character or the name. Uh, and then you're going to try and work out what the problem is that the character is trying to work out. And really spend some time trying to, trying to say that in a way that you really feel is accurate and correct. I don't mean academically correct, just that it feels like you're expressing it in a really authentic way, uh, your understanding. Uh, and then I want you to find the climax in your monologue and see how it's related to that problem, the climax of the story of resolving that problem. And then we're going to pick up in part two of this podcast in the next episode. Mm -hmm. So good luck with that. Yep. Uh, and until then, if you've got any questions for us, you can contact Hayley at hello at actingcoachscotland.co.uk. You can have a sneaky peek behind the scenes of the studio. Sneaky peek. Sneaky peek at instagram.com slash weareactingcoachscotland. I've been Mark. I've been Nick. And we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. You can find Acting Coach Scotland on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at hello underscore ACS, or see behind the scenes of the studio on Instagram at We Are Acting Coach Scotland.